joining us this morning on the WBEN Trocare College live line is Steve Roberts, political analyst with a look at everything going on in Washington. And uh, Steve, over the past week, uh, death of two titans, really, in Washington with Henry Kissinger passing away at the age of 100, Sandra Day O'Connor passing away at the age of 93. And uh, you're kind of looking at this as, you know, one would, as kind of a sign of times gone by, uh, you know, to say the old uh, saying, they don't make them like they used to. Well, uh, particularly what this says about the modern Republican Party, start with Sandra O'Connor, appointed by Ronald Reagan as the first woman to the Supreme Court. Um, And she was very much in the tradition of Western or frontier conservatism. She grew up on a ranch in uh, Arizona, a remote ranch, and she was very much a pragmatist. In fact, when she was named to the court, um, uh, critics of abortion were worried that she would support abortion rights, and in fact, she did. She was the chief author of the Casey decision in 1992, which actually reaffirmed the core uh, finding in Roe v. Wade. Why? Because she believed preeminently in individual rights. And that view of conservatism, that strain in the Republican Party, which was reflected in Westerners like Barry Goldwater and Alan Simpson and Paul Lexoff, is largely gone. And today, the Republican Party dominated by a much more Southern-based evangelical view, which uses government and sees government as an instrument of imposing moral values. And here you have uh, Donald Trump running for re-election, bragging about appointing three justices to the court that reversed Sandra Day O'Connor's opinion in uh, the Casey case of uh, 92. So uh, that reflects a very important change, but it's not just moderate versus conservative, because she was conservative, but she was pragmatic, and she was not an ideologue. And she was also um, you've got to remember her as one of the most important figures in one of the most important revolutions of the entire century, and that was the revolution for women's rights. And Sandra O'Connor didn't just become the first woman on the Supreme Court. She encouraged women in many, many other professions. She became a role model, a quiet role model, but an extremely important one, um, and uh at her death in 93, it's, it's very important to remember what an enormous contribution she made, not just to the court, uh, but to women's rights in general. So fast forward to today's Republican Party, and you see all of the Republican presidential candidates in Iowa, because it's six weeks to the Iowa caucuses. And I'm wondering, Steve, Iowa can be unpredictable, but does that hold this year with President former President Trump holding such a commanding lead over his challengers? Well, Iowa can be unpredictable for several reasons. First of all, people forget um, there's a core of Iowa voters deeply uh, committed to evangelical voters and very well organized. But also, because of the caucus system, uh, a lot depends on who bothers to come out. It's not just a question of going down to your local school for 20 minutes and casting a ballot or Uh, mailing in your ballot now, which is what a lot of Americans do. Uh, Participating in the caucuses requires a a whole evening, often going out on a... I've been in Iowa during caucus night. It's pretty darn cold, and it's often very snowy. And that puts a premium on the activists. That puts a premium on the most highly motivated voters to get out. and, 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 And so it's a very different turnout. It's a very different 
voting configuration than almost any other moment in American politics. And that's partly uh, why it's so unpredictable, because um, you don't know who's going to um, put on their snowshoes and get out there on a, on a, on a cold January night. Was well, there a better way? Well, there are values in, in there are values in both systems. You know, you can say that the the drawback of the caucuses is that it is so highly selective, and people who have to work two jobs or can't get childcare or uh, aren't feeling very well that night, they're they're disenfranchised because they they don't have the ability to go to the caucus. On the other hand, um, it, it's a community event, and it. Uh, uh, and it's, you know, voting is not just about individuals. It is about community responsibility and community connection. So you can make the argument both ways. But I think um, this year you can see a lot of ways in which the drawbacks of the Iowa caucuses are, are more visible because it puts so much of a premium on uh, the hardcore activist and less on the ordinary average voter. This might be stupid to say because it'll never happen. What if you just scrap the whole primary uh, season that we have right now? I mean, you can still have your primary elections for a state and local government. But when it comes to president, you do one primary nationwide popular vote. Top four candidates go to the general election in yeah. November, regardless of party. Top four candidates. Well, as you say, that's never going to happen. And it, and it goes against. <laughs> our traditions of federalism, where states have always played a role here. But, you know, primaries, people forget that the primary process is reasonably new. You know, historically in American politics, the nominees were chosen by the party leaders. They were chosen by the insiders. And that was not necessarily a better system. The, you know, primary system in, in any kind of major way really only dates to the mid-20th century, post-World War II. Before that, it was all the party bosses and insiders. And so primaries have generally been seen as a positive reform where the popular vote and, and, and individual voters have much more of a say as opposed to the party bosses. So every system has its pluses and it has its minuses. But I, I'm not sure we want to go back to the, the legendary smoke-filled rooms that picked nominees in the past. Hey, what did you think of the DeSantis-Newsom debate last week? I, I think it, it landed with a thought. I mean, um, here were two people. The main thing about this, the, the Santos Newsom debate, here were two people desperate for national attention, desperate to break through as major national figures, and I don't think either one of them accomplished that. Um, and uh, the major thing about that debate was how little uh, impact it had on, on politics. Steve, thank you for the time this morning. As always, Steve Roberts, political analyst, joining us live on the Trocare College live line this morning.